This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. Episode number 202, special listener feedback episode. Welcome to the Strangers and Aliens podcast. Strangers. <laughs> to boldly say what needs to be said. Would you be a stranger or an alien? Or would you be a strange alien? The truth is out there. I am your father's best friend's plumber. Superman. Wonder Woman. Heroes. Villains. Captain Picard versus Captain Kirk. Do you think that there's room in sci-fi for God? The very first thing that God did so why is he was that he created something, so we have a creative God. This is Strangers and Aliens Podcast. Hello, welcome back to Strangers and Aliens. It's me, Ben, Ben Avery, and I am here, not alone, but with some friends. And my friends are... Hi, friends. And, and me, Yeah, another friend. <laughs> That's We're getting back to form. We have here friends. We yeah, yeah. That was much Two, more awkward. 200 Good. episodes, and we, we, we just have really worked out that awkward opening. All friends are we. <laughs> so, hey, guys. Hey, how hey. you doing, man? How's it going? Um, it's it's been a little while. Going is good. Since we recorded that massive, massive four and a half hours of <laughs> of two hundred stories. That's so, awesome. Hey, so this one, this episode, there might be an even balance here between us and something else, but there's actually uh this episode is happening now. The listener feedback episode is happening now. Because we got some feedback for our top 200 episode, or top 200 stories of all time episode, and the feedback was really fascinating. It's from another podcaster named I'm going to butcher his name right now, but I, uh, <laughs> uh, Christopher Ouellette, I think is how you say his name. He does say it in his feedback, but uh, he's from a podcast called uh, Beware of Monsters, mm -hmm. and the feedback he sent was really, really intriguing to me and quite fascinating, actually. And so um, I contacted him and said, this is really good. It's a little bit long. Can we spin this out into its own thing? And he said, you know what? Use it however you want. And so we're going to we, we're taking it in its raw form and we're just going to use that whole thing in this episode, along with some other listener feedback. And I really, really liked what he had to say. And when I say it was long, it's a half an hour long. Of yeah. him with this list of movies that I'm not going to say anything more about that because the list itself and how he created it is fascinating to me as well. Uh, he's someone who I hope to have on as a guest host at some point, probably in October. Uh, we're looking at doing some guest hosting things for spooky Halloween stuff. But, um, you know, it's right now, it's just the beginning of September. It's this stupid hot beginning of fall in indiana <laughs> it's so hot oh, it's brutal yeah. brutal it's bad in massachusetts too is it oh oh man so Sticky. anyway in the fall i'm looking forward to october that's my birthday month you know oh and nice it's 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 autumn it's not 
too terribly cold and it's beautiful and it gets windy and makes me long for a certain kind of horror movie that I just can never find. <laughs> it's weird, man. It's weird. I can't even explain it. I, I, I can't find it either. So I'll be like, wow. oh, I wonder if this, no, this isn't one. No, no. Not at all. <laughs> so. What type of movie is it? I don't know. I can't explain it. I told you. It's have the, you seen? It's the Zenzuch of of movie searching. It's just. Have you seen uh, Monster House? No. no. Give that one a watch. That yeah. might that might do. It for you. Maybe, maybe I will. Maybe I will. But for now, that's not what we're here to talk about. No. It's still September for us here in the podcast booth here right now, and although you may be listening to this in October, who knows? Um, or you may be listening to it on Christmas Day. Doesn't matter. Right now, it's really <laughs> hot. I'm sweating. It's time for us to open up the listener feedback mailbag and talk about some things that listeners want to talk about. You guys ready? Yes. All right. So we have some, we're going to read, we have some recordings. Let's start with uh, the reading ones. And I sent these to you. I hope this is not one we've already done. (laughs) I think we've done that once before. I don't think it is. A peek behind the curtain. Steve says we've done this once before. It has happened more than once before where we have such a long time between listener feedback episodes i will get the listener feedback assembled and sent and then as we start in you just get this awkward uh ben i think we've already done this one (laughs) and then the other person will say yeah i remember it too and since it is confirmed by two people i eat the humble pie (laughs) <laughs> and we move on. Usually gets cut out. This time, it might not get cut out. So, nice. Who wants to read this first one? It's a little bit longer than than uh, actually most of the other ones. But who wants to I, read this one? I can do it. All right, go for it, Stephen. All right, let me see there. Uh, so this is from Mike Withers. <clears throat> Hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. It says Ben, Steve, and Evan. Although kids these days, am I right? That's what he wrote. <clears throat> I'm not gonna. I'm not going to say anything else besides what he wrote. So if he has a lot of parenthetical stuff, so I'm going to try to do that as best I can in honoring his uh, his letter. So uh, this is the last time I'm going to inject anything here. So he says, Team Cap, 100%. I don't even agree that they need oversight, quote-unquote. No, Stark needs oversight. Maybe Black Widow needs oversight. But the others... Captain America doesn't need oversight. In fact, make him the oversight for the rest. Even in a superhero universe, there's less chance of Cap going bad than a committee screwing up. As T'Challa says, one man can do what needs to be done where a group might stall, or something like that. The Avengers have already proved themselves as worthy of trust, with the exception of Stark, even though he means well. Even the Scarlet Witch isn't bad. Is it her fault some dude used an incredibly powerful grenade? No. Still, she is the one that gets the blame. Speaking of blame, the whole they might have saved the planet but New York got damaged, or Sokovia. I mean, seriously. I know you took out my burst appendix and saved my life and all, but you left a scar. I understand Zemo taking things personally, but the UN basically takes the same philosophy, just a little less murderous and a lot more power-grabby. Anyway, terrific movie. I think it was the best of the MCU. Peter Parker was so uncool that he made Spider-Man cool. 
he wasn't just another take-it-for-granted superhero full of witty banter, serious looks, and flexing muscles. Although he had the muscles to spare, apparently. I was pleasantly surprised by Spidey, and I'll watch that Spider-Man in a movie. I haven't seen a Spider-Man movie since Tobey Maguire. Going into the movie, I thought Black Panther was a shoehorned black lead character for an upcoming movie. Now, I can't wait to watch the Black Panther movie. He was so cool. I mean, Cap lands, bang. Iron Man lands, clang. Black Panther lands, dot, dot, dot. On Cat's paws, as it were. He also had the strength of his convictions, but wasn't above changing his mind as facts dictated. When Ant-Man went giant man, I yelled out, yeah, to my own embarrassment. Paul Rudd is as good as always. Really enjoyed Hawkeye, even as a tertiary character. Vision was all right, I guess. Not really sold on him. Rhodes and Wilson? Mm, okay. Not enough to really get much from either of them. Lastly, I watched the movie in 3D. I didn't think that made much of a difference in it. However, the trailer for Rogue One convinced me that the extra $1.50 for 3D will totally be worth it. And if I were interested in Doctor Strange, I'd see that in 3D as well because the effects looked really pretty neat. But I'm not feeling Doctor Strange. Maybe more trailers will come out to convince me that it'll be worth it. But I'm thinking of waiting until it comes out on Netflix or Amazon and goes to a discount price. Or just waiting until it's on TV some late Tuesday night. Love the podcast. Agent Carter of Mars. No relation. <laughs> uh, yeah, so nice. that, that was about um, Captain America Civil War. Mm-hmm. Uh, since I left off the subject line when I, I copied and pasted. No, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, but still, Team yeah. Cap, 100%. Yeah. I mean, the right context choice. clues are there. I mean, I'm sure people figured it out pretty easily. Yeah. 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 I hey, think most of these will be like that. So, yeah, I, I mean, we've talked about Civil War, and this, yeah, I love the line where he says, Peter Parker was so uncool that he made Spider-Man cool <laughs> so yeah. yeah really geeky really nerdy but you know what i mean it's, it's a great representation of him yeah and he will be interesting when we actually get a movie yeah. with him so and he said i haven't seen a movie a spider-man movie since toby mcguire i don't know if that was like a a, a, sh- a sly remark like the spider-man movies i've seen since then aren't really spider-man movies or he's saying I actually haven't seen any of the new Spider-Man movies since Tobey Maguire has played Spider-Man. So that's my guess. Is the second yeah. one? I think, yeah. yeah, but still, I, when I read it, I was like, "Oh, that could go either way." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I thought that too. I'd give those a watch if you haven't seen them. They're not terrible, no, except not for bad. when they are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what? You know what they really did though. Um, the last uh, Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movie had uh, Gwen Stacy in it. And when yeah. it came out, came out, when it came out, I said to myself, "You know what? They're doing this wrong. This isn't the Gwen Stacy the way that she was depicted in the comic books. That whole story, which 
you get in these new movies. Yes, I get that. But when it came out, I said, you know what? You're ruining the Gwen Stacy story. Now people get this wrong version of Gwen Stacy. Luckily, Spider-Man 3 bombed. And no one really remembers it very well. So they were able to use the Gwen Stacy story in the way that they did in the, in the, uh, the, the new movies, the new the duology, I guess, instead of a trilogy. Um, and they were actually able to, to use her as that character that gives Peter Parker the, the motivation to continue on. You know, it's, it's, it's Uncle Ben in the beginning, which gives him the impetus to go. And then he does this thing and... and I, if anyone's not seen the movie, you can turn it off now. But, you know, when, when Gwen dies because Peter's trying to save her and then he has all that anguish and am I going to give this up and is it worth it and all that stuff, that's the, the grist that gets in his craw and he's able to say, you know what, no, I have to keep going. I have to keep doing this. And having Gwen Stacy, for the longest time she remained dead and then in the 90s, I don't know what happened. But... <laughs> you know, when I was reading comic books, she was dead. And it was because she was dead that he, you know, falls in love with Mary Jane. And he's he becomes the Spider-Man that we knew that was able to, you know, wear the Venom suit and then fight the Venom suit. And then, Steve, you know, Steve, that's all great. It doesn't make up for the movies not being good. I mean, I went no. into those movies. I liked them. And then I watched them again. And like, what did I like about this? I know. But the, the thing, what I'm trying to uh, really solidify here is I'm glad that the third one bombed so much that they can make these other two and actually have the Gwen Stacy story. So that's what I'm trying to say. And I like those movies. Yeah, you're wrong. Anyway, so <laughs> next uh, we have, we have uh, Nathan McGill. And uh, Evan, why don't you take that one? I don't know, but it looks kind of creepy. Okay, I'll take it. <laughs> hey guys, I was listening to the latest episode and I moved – oh, this is the magic episode by the way. And I yep. moved into a house in 2014 and we had these, those kinds of crazy things happening in our house that Evan touched on. Cabinet doors opening like in Sixth Sense, fixtures falling off the wall or rotating upside down, money going missing, water valves cutting off, and all kinds of weird stuff. My experience <laughs> with spiritual warfare has always been issues of the heart or at the most significant praying to Jesus against the enemy to release a hold over a physical illness that once we went through – the praying process, we saw my wife's vertigo she struggled with for 10 years disappear overnight, never to return. We thought that was freaky, and that we thought was freaky enough. But what happened with our house was off the charts and was extremely confusing because we were not aware that a demonic presence could do this, which we assume demon just because we never believed in ghosts, although I'm not sure we, that we can't find some Bible that might support that, such as the dead walking around after the crucifixion. Maybe that's more zombies? Anyway, we called an Angelican exorcist, a friend knew, and we got together and prayed out the house. And during the systematic process, our front door opened on its own, and we felt the darkness leave. We think wow. it's over, but from time to time, something will happen that makes us wonder. The thing that was surprising to me was how much of what we did that day could have been taken out of an episode of Supernatural, X-Files, etc. So it makes me wonder how much from that show and others that use techniques based on some facts, such as salt, holy water, or looking for an object the way... Or looking for an object that the evil may have attached itself to. We didn't find an object in our house, but it doesn't mean that one doesn't exist. Or perhaps some of the things happening were related to sins conducted by previous owners who have since died or who knows what else. I don't mind coming on the show and talking about the stuff if you'll have me. The truth is in there. Quote, unquote, Steve. Uh, that's from Nathan or Nathaniel McGill. And nice. 
Yeah. Uh, we have another email coming up with something similar, I think. Maybe not. Magical episode. Andrew, Adrian Coletti. Well. He remarks on lots yeah, of yeah, different episodes. Yeah, he does. So, let's, well, let's, let's do that. But, well, no, let's, let's, let's hang here for, for a moment. Yeah. And, and just say, um, you know, it, I don't know. I mean, you, this is one of those things where you being where you are at the time that it happened is, is going to be more than any commentary we could give to that folks. Right. And Um, it seems, it seems similar to other stories I've heard and, uh, from people I know and trust. So, I mean, yeah, that, that's the, some of the stuff I'm, I'm worried about with, uh, with the the magic stuff and and I was talking to my friend the other day about like you know like generational sins uh and even generational faithfulness and how somehow the things that others do in in the past have an a spiritual impact and influence on the present and I feel like that could be the same in moving into a house that pe- that people maybe have used for witchcraft or whatever and there's some lingering spiritual darkness or something I could totally buy that I just think we need to, you know, make sure. I mean, the the Bible doesn't speak of ghosts the way that people understand them nowadays. You know, anything that that is a ghost or anything like that, you can really pretty much all chalk that up to to a demonic activity. I don't think demons. This is this is. I have a lot of uh, research and stuff into this, and what it seems really clear is that demons play along with people. So if you use salt and you make a magic circle or, you know, whatever you're doing, demons will play along with you to make it seem as though uh, you have any type of control over them. You don't. No one does. God does. Jesus does. Um, they they will do whatever they want to do, and they will make it seem as though you have control over them because that makes you continue to encounter them, to continue to entreat them, and you know all this stuff. Uh, you know he he asked uh, you know how much that show and others that use techniques are based on some fact. Those are it's superstition. It's it's stuff that doesn't really work. It seems to work because the demons play along with you and they say oh you're in the magic circles oh you have control over me you get one wish or whatever it is we have to be we have to be careful with stuff like that well but um, he's talking about the the anglican priest or whatever coming in and i mean it, the bible does talk about uh specific things that you should do to get rid of a demon like when jesus says this type only comes out through prayer and fasting right but you no know, salt no holy water. Right, right, right. Well, I'm just saying. And, and that's where you do get the biblical examples that we do get do mm-hmm. not contain like incantations of specific phrases or, right. or things like that. Um, yeah. But we, but do uh, 100% rely on you know faith in Christ and absolutely and, and, and yeah, it's it's reliance on on God's power, not on man's power, absolutely, or man's or ritual or anything like that. Yeah, man's yeah, ritual, superstition. So, I mean, and you have to, and you, you have to be careful. Story. I mean, ritual in any situation, you have to be careful of because oh, yeah. there's value to ritual because yeah. of uh, the repetitiveness and the the meaning behind what the ritual would you know symbolize or or bring out. But right. the danger is that you begin to put faith in the ritual 
rather than in the one that you are trying to honor through the ritual. Right. The ritual doesn't have power. Christ has the power. Right. And it's, yeah. you know, it's like Christmas. You know, you lose sight of the actual, what, right. what are you celebrating at Christmas? Well, all the Presents. rituals that you have as part of Christmas, you know, it's, you, you very easily can lose sight of what, what you want the meaning to, of Christmas to be as a believer. Right. And so anyway, yeah. uh, all that to say, um, it is a very real thing. It's just, there's so much of, of it is hidden and is, I think, dangerous to put too much of a, a interest or right. too much uh, of your, oh, I don't know what the words I'm looking for are now, um, but well, to, lose, it, to lose sight of what the, the real power is. Right. And I think with, with de- demon stuff like this, you know, the, there's a, a easy way to try to remember it. There's three different ways you can be involved in this. You can be possessed, which Christians can't be possessed. If you have the Holy Spirit in you, you can't have another spirit in you. You can be uh, obsessed with it, which is just you're looking into it, you know, looking at me and, and all this different stuff. Um, even for a good purpose, you can just be obsessed with it to a, an unhealthy point. And you can just be oppressed, and which is most of the time the demons, like in here, this is oppression. This isn't anyone being possessed. I mean, the house can't be possessed. The house isn't an entity. But it's, it's demonic oppression. So you have oppression, obsession, and possession. And those are the, the three ways that, that uh, demons can affect human beings. Um, so there's that. I also wanted to touch on the, uh, the, the dead walking around after the crucifixion thing. It, less zombies, more a testament of the resurrection of our physical bodies. That It was so powerful that some people were resurrected for a time. And it doesn't say if they were you know, uh, assumed up into heaven or if they went back to their graves because you know, that's what it was. But it was a testimony of, of the living Christ coming back and being living again and saying, I can do this to other bodies as well. I can so, tell you what it's not. What is it not? It is not zombies getting slain by Lazarus. <laughs> what? Yeah, that's a comic that Rob Liefeld was doing for a, a short period of time. That oh. was uh, his, for lack of a better term, his, his Christian comic he was going to do. Yeah. And, oh, All right. Uh-huh. Nice try, swing and a miss. Yeah, I'm. Wow. You really I'm not need aware. to. You really need to have a uh, like a you know someone who's a pastor or someone who's a theologian look at this stuff before you write it down. He but, uh, well, I'm not going to get into it. Or at least yeah. before it's you gone. He it. took it down. I he never finished it and it went down. I haven't seen it since. I've looked for it um, once or twice since, but um, yeah, yeah. Okay, but good next. stuff. There's interesting stuff that yeah, he yeah. brought up there. And and I'll just say, the people I've talked to who have had experiences like this, um, it's not fun. Not something that I would wish on anyone. Oh, so yeah. I'm I'm glad that uh, you p- are putting your faith in the right place, right? When, as you're dealing with this, so that's that's an encouragement uh, above all else from that story. So. Uh, Adrian Coletti wrote in to say, "Hi guys, I have some feedback on some of the episodes. The magical episode." 
that episode gave me the chills when the youngest member, Evan, <laughs> talked about his experiences <laughs> with magic. That, ex- that episode changed my thoughts about magic. Now I can't wait till the Doctor Strange episode. <laughs> the Supergirl episode. I really like the live-action superhero TV shows like this one. I wanted to hear more about the last scene of the season. I thought it was... Should I say the name? Is sure. It, is this a, sure. Okay. Yeah. I thought it was Crypto. You should do something like this for Flash or Legends of Tomorrow. The E3 episode. I'm sorry to hear that your X-Men episode is lost for now, but the, this episode was amazing. Uh, by the way, that episode, we did find it, so that's good. Uh, yeah. Back to the, the message. I really like playing the Xbox and Wii, so I like that you talked about this episode. Uh, I don't play the Legend of Zelda series, but I think, thanks to this episode, that I'm going to play it. I am bummed about how they are going to release new consoles sooner. I think you should bring Dr. Jason to discuss Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. Your constant <laughs> listener, Adrian. And I have not seen uh, TMNT 2 yet. Uh, Evan has. I have. And is the reason that I haven't seen it yet, uh, based on I his haven't. glowing review. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if there were ever a reason for me to see it, though, if, if Dr. Jason was coming back to talk about it, I would I would watch it in a heartbeat. So... Uh, but you know, just two episodes ago, we had Dr. Jace back in. So that's, that's good. Yeah. We did. Um, E3, the legend of Zelda series guys. I've seen the trailers for what this new Zelda game. Yeah. Breath of the wild. Oh my goodness. You guys. Yeah. It's supposed to be really amazing. What? Did you watch the demos? Looking I game. Oh, if have you, have uh, you watched the demos, Bren? Yeah. Yeah. Some, I, yeah, it reminded me of a cross between um, a Miyazaki movie and Shadow <laughs> of the Colossus, which is a PlayStation Two game that I just adore, um, but much with a much bigger world. Um, I don't know, man. Awesome. I, this is you know, video games these days like that. I look at it and just say, what a commitment of money and time, yeah, that you're making and. I don't know if I can give up that kind of a commitment, but boy, does that look gorgeous. So I'm color me intrigued with that one. Okay. Let's turn over to some recorded messages. But first we have a couple from RC. Hey guys, RC from Indiana. Uh, calling in response to Evan's, uh, DC civil war, uh, mini sode. Um, I, you know, I, I can see most of your list, uh, more or less, uh, except for your neutrals. Uh, you know, of course, I guess one point of clarification is that this is actually a uh, uh, United Nations uh, accord, or if this is just an American law, because that would change something. Uh, but I thought kind of the concept of this is that you can't take a neutral position in the aspect like Superman, he would just keep, you know, saving Metropolis except that they wouldn't let him do that according to the law. Um, so, and the same thing would apply to any of them. Uh, then there's like a lot of gray area I don't necessarily understand, e- even with just the Marvel Civil War, uh, you know, whether, you know, is anybody that that undertakes a heroic act, are they considered, because there's mundane people that act as quote-unquote superheroes that have an unknown identity, um, you know, that have to, you know, that, that would fall into the category as well as people with superpowers. Uh, so, you know, some of that's kind of gray. I mean, if you, you know, <laughs> is, is, does the young girl who, uh, suddenly has an adrenaline surge and lifts 
a vehicle off of you know her parent, uh, are, would they qualify as superhero? And would they then have to go to training? I don't know. Uh, so, but I don't think there is any re- really room for gray area. Um, you know, I think uh, Superman and at least uh, Aquaman would probably fall on the side of anti-registration. Uh, well, at least bowing, having to concede their own authority over their own selves to a governmental organization um, and trusting a human government to do the right thing, which historically has never really happened. Uh, but anyhow, um, so yeah, I, I don't, you know, as far as the gray area, I don't think there would be much of a gray area that they could take unless they utterly left the planet, which I think would kind of go against Superman's, uh, uh, purpose, uh, you know, his mission on earth. Um, uh, but anyhow, that's my thoughts, uh, uh, you know, regarding that. So anyhow, uh, you guys take care. Okay, uh, so Evan, he's talking about one of your episodes uh, that you is. you kind of spearheaded. What do you what do you think? Well, he's talking about Superman and Aquaman in the gray area of remaining neutral in the conflict, and uh, which is what you it, had them doing. Yes, if, if DC were to have its own civil war type event, correct. And we are playing by the. So basically, it's the same exact circumstances from the Marvel comic book have happened in the DC comic book was my premise. So it's different than the movie because in the movie, you have all these countries coming together and saying, we don't want superheroes or at least the Avengers to operate on the planet unless you've signed this thing. In the comic book, it was not so. It was only the United States. Um, I think that like they pushed this bill through and it was only uh, applicable in the United States. So if you look at it that way, I, I definitely see Superman and Aquaman taking a neutral stance. One, Aquaman is you know, the sovereign king of Atlantis. Who cares what America says? <laughs> he's never cared what America says. Um, <laughs> I mean, he's yeah, he's the king of Atlantis. And Superman has shown in the canon comic books that he is willing to uh, – he, he's laid down his American citizenship. He renounced it because he didn't agree with what the government was doing, and he just said, I'm going to be I'm, – I'm going to do what's right for the world, and I'm just going to be Superman for everybody. And he did that in, in the canon comics. So I totally would see him I, – I disagree with, with R.C.'s thing there. Now, if it was a worldwide thing, then it might be a different story, but – for what I what we were saying in that episode, uh, I, I I disagree with his rebuttal. All right, well, let's uh, play another another uh, feedback from from RC here, and this one is a, about another episode. I think it's the magic one, but we'll find out when we play it. Okay, here it comes. Hey guys, it's RC from Indiana. Um, just a couple comments on your latest podcast regarding uh, magic. Um, long-time uh, RPG guy, um, tabletop, and, uh, you know, and I like uh, uh, Harry Potter, read those books, you know, fantasy, sci-fi, you know, typical stuff. Uh, I guess a couple comments on this, you know, I was raised in a fairly, uh, uh, well, uh, religious, I guess, you know, household, so, you know, Dungeons and Dragons, never welcome, um, you know, uh, good or, you know, unfortunately, you know, I still pursued that as something I had an interest in. 
but, you know, of course, with all the uh, concern there, you know. So I guess this is a, to kind of sum up my thoughts on it, uh, you know, I live in a particular area in Indiana. There's actually a lot of Wicca and Satanists and other cults in the, you know, I live in a rural area, so you get a lot of that. Um, and there is some caution to be had there. The way I approach it, what I look at, there are some very negative things uh, in some RPG books. You have to be careful how you handle that. For us, we've always kind of played it like a video game. Uh, you know, there's no chanting, no circles, nothing like that, but I've seen people abuse it and go the other way with it. So that is a caution, uh, you know, there. Uh, but, you know, it's, we've always enjoyed it personally, you know, amongst my family and friends as a, something purely of entertainment. Um, so, you know, that's a caution. You know, I think the ultimate uh, concern, you know, if you're going to take it, is just that people take it more than just, you know, pure entertainment. Uh, you're seeking something that's going to give them power uh, or some sort of control over the environment uh, rather than turning to God for, uh, you know, our salvation and direction. Uh, so, you know, that's probably the major concern there. And what I look at when I engage material, uh, you know, in the RPG setting, which is most often written by non-Christians. Uh, of course, you know, Gary Gygax was a Christian. Um, but, uh, you know, and that wasn't, wasn't involved with it as it continued to change, you know, the whole thought was, you know, to battle these evil things, uh, of course, then eventually it morphed into something else, uh, but there's not much safe from uh, contamination, corruption in this world, so, uh, but yeah, you know, taking it in the right vein is perfectly fine, uh, I can say a lot more in Harry Potter, but I may just wait until the Harry Potter episode. Well, I hope everything's going well, God bless you guys, we'll talk to you soon, bye. Alright guys, and he had a follow-up message as well, but did you have any comments about this particular one first? Are we are we live? Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I I I would agree with everything you said about the the D and D stuff. And if your if your conscience is cool with that, then yeah, uh, everything RC said was was on point. When I played D and D in college, we had an awesome RA who uh, headed it up, and he was real careful and. Uh, Made sure he made sure to tell us that he he was going to be controlling everything and we weren't going to be going into any of the dark stuff uh, in the content that's available. Uh, so I had a, I, I had a blast playing D and D in college. Um, I just don't know how it sits with my conscience at the moment, but I I love role playing games, super fun. Yeah, All I right. think when you when you look at this stuff, and I think I I really tried to get that out of the episode, is that you know there's there's those two different types of, you know, what they call magic and you just have to be careful. Um, you know, one is something that is, it's, it's a literary device used to glorify God. And the other one is a literary device used to show, you know, occult forces and to show that, you know, the drawing in of power, making something work for you, which is that demonic you know, element to it. Um, and of course, separating that whole literary, uh, uh, magic system from what people call magic in the real world, you know, Wiccans and, uh, Satanists and people like that who, who try to tap into these, the, you know, the demonic forces. We talked about that a little earlier. Um, so we really need to divide that. And once we get a handle on that, I think it, it's much easier to, to wrap our brain around Harry Potter or D&D or whatever is going on. All right. Well, let's play his, his, next, his next message. 
Uh, hi, uh, uh, RC from Indiana again. Uh, I did want to make one uh, point to Evan uh, regarding uh, like what you allow into your house, and I agree with him on that. Uh, you know, for me, like being an active role player, as I previously mentioned, uh, you know, there are a few things. Whether anything becomes real descriptive about what they're doing, um, you know, some of that is based directly in what you know things that they've taken with that. So, uh, you know, I guess a lot of it just takes a little bit. You know, again, kind of what Ben said, you aren't losing anything by not doing it. But there are things that I have uh, thrown out uh, over the years or otherwise destroyed or not bought in the first place. So uh, there is that, and I have had, you know, some supernatural experiences before in my life. So there are certain things, but most of it, uh, you know, I believe has more to do with your place, you know, point in life, uh, you know, uh, than uh, what you've got in your home. Uh, so anyway, that's it. Talk to you guys later. Bye. All right, and that kind of goes back to that um, messages with uh, with actually with uh, was it Nate Nathaniel? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Thank you, RC. Uh, now we yeah. have uh, Jared Sergio, who the message was superhero SmackDown, and the message body says, "Hey guys, so I was listening to the Alien Race SmackDown, and I was thinking you should totally do a superhero SmackDown. Just saying." So. Jared, you are correct. You are so correct. We and, should do an episode like that. And I think when we do that, it's going to go like this. It's going to go, we'll have three hosts, and then those three hosts, probably me and, I don't know, maybe Steve and maybe Yeah, Evan. I can do it. Yeah, yeah. And we randomly assign a hero to each host. Oh. And so then it becomes not who's going to win, but I think it becomes who can create the best way for their hero to be the winner. Nice. I like it. You know, and then we, we get creative, you know, with those characters. And then um, maybe we vote or have listeners vote on who did the best. And then that's who wins. So, you know, maybe Ant-Man could win against Superman because one of us had a really good idea. Like Ant-Man shrinks down to the size of an ant, goes into Superman's inner ear and causes <laughs> Superman to get terrible, terrible vertigo and become bedridden for, you know, for a little while. Nice. You know, so and then maybe listeners say, hey, Ben's really got a funny one there. That's good. And I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see how that will work. But I, I, I think something like that. um, I think there's a lot of potential for some real fun creativity in that. So yeah, I, I just yeah. made that up on the spot and uh, so it, may earlier, go, it may not go that way at all earlier in the, in the life of this show, uh, we were actually doing this uh, in print. That's right. On the blog. Um, yeah. Dr. Jace <laughs> came up with uh, this thing and, and unfortunately it, it uh, didn't follow through. Dr. Jace got busy with, you know, family Children, and church yeah, yeah. <laughs> important things. Um, but, uh, you know, that might be a thing that we might be able to revisit as well. Maybe even use those original heroes. Yeah, we could. From that, from that list mm. that he had. But, yeah. Cool. But anyway, yeah. I, I think we could have some fun with that, especially if we were to do it in such a way that it's a little bit different and we get to be all creative and yeah. not, not just argue about who would win, but, you know, get creative. And, and it's not about who would actually win. Who can come up with the best story? Right. About how they I like win. it. Okay. Uh, next, uh, Billy Fletcher. And he says, hello, all my family. and I love your podcast. We listen to every episode. Keep up the good work. And to that, I say, thank you for sending that email, Billy. Yeah, it was really, 
it's fun to get those, and we don't read these in real time. Uh, you know, as we get these messages, we aren't reading them like at the end of every episode kind of thing. Um, we save them up for an episode like this, and I just wanted to say thank you, though. When we did get that, it, it felt good. It felt yeah, good. and Billy and family, keep up the good work of listening to every episode. All right, Evan. We, we love that you love our podcast. We do. Evan, why don't you read yes, Drew's, Drew's email here about our Cyborg episode. All right, this is from Drew Rub, and this is what he has to say about cyborgs. Cyborg equals cybernetic organism. Cybernetics equals the study of human control functions and of mechanical and electronic systems designed to replace them involving the application oh, oh boy, this is a big word. Of <laughs> It's two words, I think. Stati- oh yeah, you're right. Of statistical mechanics to communication engineering. Mm. To me, it is. To me, using this definition, the reference would indicate anything that replaces a human control, breathing, heartbeat, sight. Therefore, a car, a baseball bat, a sword would be tools. A pacemaker, an artificial heart or lung, even an artificial joint replacement, IMHO, would classify someone as a quote-unquote cyborg. An artificial joint is a mechanical system designed to replace a human control of joint movement. Personally, I would consider glasses as a tool as well. I'm debating on classifying a motorized wheelchair as a cybernetic replacement. If that's the case, Stephen Hawking is the world's most cybernetic man alive, I would say. True, Rub. And my one, uh, my one counter to that, and it doesn't it's not going to convince anyone, but my one counter <laughs> to that is that I'm not talking about these things like the car, the tennis racket, the baseball bat, the glasses as, you know, a replacement or anything like that. But the way your body responds to those things, it responds when you are holding a tool such as a sword in a different way because it actually becomes a part of your body's movement. And your body is actually taking in stimuli from that extension of yourself. And the same with cars and the same with, yeah. with glasses and that sort of thing. Basically. And so for me, it's more – and this is really – it's the thought experiment more than the Wikipedia or whatever the definition of this. We use Wikipedia. I don't know where you got your definition, Drew, but – um, it's more the thought experiment of the thing that was produced after I listened to a podcast, uh, the stuff you should know, I think it was podcast where they were talking about this kind of thing and, and then thinking about my own son and then watching some of my friends who do use wheelchairs as, as their primary movement because they, they have to. And that thought experiment of, um, okay, so these things, they, they aren't a part of you, but when you're in a car, it is a part of you. You know, someone hits the car and you react as if they have hit you, Yeah. you know, and, um, and the the same thing with like the, the motorized wheelchair, uh, more so than, than the, the, I guess the manual wheelchair, but the motorized wheelchair does become a very much an extension of someone's body and, and even a manual wheelchair too, especially when you're spending more time in it. Um, so when someone does reach out and grab it or lean on it or something like that, the person in the chair does respond as if they have just had someone lean on them on their shoulder or something like that. And it's because it's just such a part of their life. And so, yes, it's not necessarily 
entering, you know, or being placed inside the body like a an artificial knee or something like that. But it is something that is very much a part of their life and very much a part of their physical um, their physical experience. Right. So Definitely. I'll, I'll put it that way. So. And Drew, all I have to say is you're a wise man. <laughs> a wise, wise man. Mainly because, you know, Evan can't think for himself. On this <laughs> Whoa. That's a low blow there. You know, I had this length. Of, a- although I say that and I – I initially had the ideas that I'm talking about because I listened to another podcast, but that's a whole nother thing. A whole nother thing. <laughs> whole nother thing. Yeah, yeah. So we have uh, one last one. Again, have, a cyborg episode one. Yeah. Adrian Coletti says, I listened to the episode. I am pretty sure I finished it. <laughs> yeah, nice. Excellent, Adrian. Way to go. I was wondering if you would count number. He counts down from five to one. Number okay. five, winter soldier. His yes. Arm. Yes. Yep. Definitely. Yes. Uh, number four, Doctor Octopus is tentacles. Yes, yeah. I think strictly speaking, since it doesn't replace uh, his actual stuff, I mean, we don't have tentacles, so technically it wouldn't be. But I would definitely consider I, him. Cyborg. I would. I mean, the Drew's literal definition right. from from his message would maybe preclude that, but um, I would definitely consider him a cyborg. Yeah. He's part robot. It's grafted to his spine, but yeah, anything, but it's anything. not replacing. It's enhancing, right? Right. And I, yeah. I would say, if it's like grafted to you and it's enhancing, that's sure. All right. Well, let's go to number three. Number three, he says, my sister, his sister, uh, she has knee braces. Well, I guess unless I would we say, see them, I would unless, say, yes. I would say unless we see them. I mean, if it's just something that that braces her knees so she can, you know, walk without. Because her her legs are, are weakened, I don't know exactly what that is. So, I, I, um, um, jury's out for me. I'd, I'd have to. For me, take a- it's technology that is being used to enhance, replace, or to me, it, it doesn't. Again, doesn't fit the the definition from from Evan and Drew. But, but to does, me, it, it seems it seems it could be like glasses. You know, knee yeah. braces could be like. I mean, I've had knee braces that did not really replace or enhance or anything. It just, you know, held my knee together while my, you know, my patella was healing or something like that. So I'm, I'm not sure I'd have to. So what, what do you mean that, by the glasses thing though? It could, like, it could be something just, you know, that you put on and, and take off. I mean, I, if I have my glasses on, yeah, if I have yeah. my glasses off. And see, I'm, I'm totally with you on, uh, I'm, I'm totally with that. And, you yeah. Know, just because it's removable doesn't mean it's not, um, technology that is right uh, helping you. Right. See, but I I'd just call don't... that an exoskeleton or an apparatus more than a a cyborg. You can go ahead and, I, and do yeah. that, and and I would say, yep, you're right. And it, at the same time, so am I. I mean, I would I would accept <laughs> I would accept your definition there, but one thing can be labeled as two things. Right. I think it, it has the possibility to be. I just don't. Okay. I can't see them. Well, moving on. Uh, number two. Number two, Lobot from uh, Empire Strikes Back. He says his head thing, which I think <laughs> is his uh, uh, cybernetic implants. augmentation, his, yeah, his brain yeah. implant absolutely. there. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And uh, number one, Rocket Raccoon, he says in Guardians of the Galaxy, he said Rocket Raccoon said he got dismantled and got put back together. Um, I don't know what that looks like in the universe that he comes from. He definitely could be cybernetic. He could just have... You know, 
it, what it looked like to me is he had like things that he could attach things onto. Like he had, you know, like a, a little clips or yeah, whatever yeah. it is, which I don't know if, if I would consider that. I mean, that would be sort of like if I had earrings that could hold a pencil, you know, I mean, I don't remember very well the, the scene in the movie. I remember, I remember them talking about, it. I don't remember him. I don't remember the context that this was used in. Yeah. To me, from my memory, it feels like they took him apart literally. Yeah. And then put his organs back together. You know, it yeah. not as uh, partial, you know, technology is being used in his body, but yeah. it was actually here. We're taking these things out and now we're, re- we're replacing them and putting them back in. Uh, but he's obsessed with removing cybernetic parts from people yeah like i mean that's a constant joke with him well constant joke within the movie but a constant thing that he was going to and returning to so um yeah i'm looking at a screen cap right now of of that scene and it looks a lot like uh the matrix type of plugs uh Mm, yeah so i don't know if they've added you know technology to him or if yeah. this is just this is just how they plugged up after the surgery, where because the, they've made it so that he can now stand erect like a human, even though he's a raccoon, right? You know, do all this other stuff. So, yeah. well, what, what, what it's did. what it seems most like to me is that he is, um, a composite. I mean, when you think of uh, Frankenstein's monster, it's a composite human. It's made of human parts. Um, what Rocket Raccoon seems to me is he's a composite raccoon he's been taken apart and put together maybe with most of the same parts but maybe with different parts that makes him better or different or whatever so from what i can get from it he is composite he's not uh cybernetic so yeah that's i a think little... he's I, I think it's all what we're talking about here are organic uh, yeah are organic changes or organic yeah. um replacements if, if there's replacement going on it's organic Right. Um, so Adrian Adrian finishes up here. Just let me finish this, and then we can talk about it more if you want. He says, I like the episode a lot. Sincerely, Adrian Coletti. All right, All right guys. And I do have one more um, <clears throat> voicemail to play. Uh, I forgot about this. So we'll go ahead and play this now, and then we'll get into the the uh, longer longer feedback from, from Chris. Hi, Strangers and Aliens. Uh, my name is Brian. This is the first time... I've called in, but I've been listening to you guys for over a year, and uh, I'm just really excited that there's a Christian geek podcast out there that really talks about God within, uh, you know, the, the interest that I, I have. Um, there's a lot of other things I want to talk about, uh, like Ben. Um, I met you at Appleseed Comic Con a couple years ago. I had a booth right next to you. My wife and I sat next to you, and uh, I would love to pick your ear someday about uh, just talking about creating in the mindset of being a Christian because that's kind of like my ongoing journey, but that's beside the point. Uh, what I wanted to talk to you guys about was uh, Civil War, your podcast on Civil War, and uh, one of the themes that I, I'm surprised you didn't bring up was the theme of vengeance and how, um, you know, at, at the end of the movie, Panther, Black Panther realizes how it's consumed him, and I thought that was really insightful to see that because I think of how many times do we have uh, a sin that um, starts to 
societal into our lives uh, to a point where it consumes us and we we don't realize it. Um, and even that that idea of vengeance, I think, is is interesting because uh, you know even as a Christian, I struggle with wanting justice and vengeance. Um, I mean, sometimes even when I'm just driving in the car and uh, you know I want that person to be pulled over, you know. And uh, and, it, and it's great that we have a, a creator, a God that is the one that takes care of that for us. And He says, "The vengeance belongs to Me." And uh, and it and it's just it's such a nice load off of, I think, our shoulders as Christians to, to realize that um, it's you know we have so many other things that we have to work on that that is something God is taking away from us, and we don't need to worry about that. Um, I mean, that was just in the movie in Civil War. There was just so much uh, that last half of the movie was about vengeance and wanting what was right and everybody trying to take it in their own hands. You know, Iron Man wanted vengeance and Captain America wanted vengeance and uh, Colonel Zemo wanted vengeance and then Black Panther wanted vengeance. It was just a central theme around it all. Um, I I really like how you guys pointed out, too, how – Captain America was like the the uh, role of an intercessor, and he was standing in between Iron Man and uh, Winter Soldier. I think you guys hit the nail on that. That was really a great idea. But anyway, I really love your show. Um, I want you guys to keep making the show. It's it is just fantastic. So um, yeah, so thanks. Um, uh, I'll catch you later. Hey, thanks for calling in, and uh, I do remember you. Um, I had. I still have one of your comics from from that convention, um, and I'd love to talk with you about that that topic about uh, being a Christian creator, uh, any any time. And so that's that's the end of this. Uh, these shorter feedbacks. We're gonna do one more feedback, and when we come back after playing this, um, Evan and Steve will try and give the illusion that they listened to it. But <laughs> the truth is, because of the way we're recording this. Um, I'm just telling them to try to give the illusion that they've listened to it. They haven't listened to it. Uh, I have, though. It's fascinating, and I, I hope you give it a, a, a good listen and, and actually then check out Chris's uh, podcast, Beware of Monsters. So um, we'll come back uh, after a little bit, and uh, right now I'm going to turn things over to Chris. Hello, strangers and aliens. This is Christopher Wollett from Beware of Monsters, and I am trying to participate in your big story countdown thing, and I'm just kind of excited about that. So anyway, um, I'm going to stick to movies, and I'm going to try to stick to your your genres but here's the deal i keep this running list of movies i think everybody should see in the order that i think they should see him see them (laughs) yeah do you think it could get even more pretentious i don't but um but if i figure out a way i will make it more pretentious actually yes it could be more pretentious i could start with a um essay you need to read before you start watching the movies and that's what i do so what i was going to do was just rush through this list and try to skip over the stuff that isn't genre stuff and um 
try to go as fast as I can. But listen, I think your show is really cool, and I'm thrilled at the idea of getting to be a part of this. So, like, if I go too long and you're like, wow, that'd be great. We don't have time to edit. J- just f- please let me know, and I-, I will redo it. Okay. So, right off the bat, you need to get Tolkien's on fairy stories and read that essay because he was asked a ton of times about, you know, what what does Lord of the Rings mean? And he didn't like explaining what things meant because you should read it and decide yourself kind of thing. But then he wrote this essay. I guess he started with a lecture on how to understand fairy stories. And he gets down to, and I believe him, greatest fairy story ever told was the gospel. Because it... He was saying even the lamest fairy story, if you found out it was actually just a true story, all the details were true, and none of the symbolism woo-woo stuff got lost, it was all just true, you would, like, freak out. That'd be so awesome. And he's like, the gospel is that story. So anyway, Tolkien's on fairy stories, and let's start off with my... My my first movie you should watch was probably one of the more controversial ones, M. Night Shyamalan's Lady in the Water, which I think is the movie version of On Fairy Stories. I love that movie. And, um, yeah, and then I went out to his next one and literally had to hold back tears with how bad it was. But I love Lady in the Water, and we'll... Re- revisit that a ton of times and when i taught literature they'd read on fairy stories and then watch lady in the water anyway number two babe and then babe pig in the city dead serious watch these way before i had kids my kids actually haven't seen them because it's a bit dark anyway um beautiful movies and of course um i need to figure out where to put it on the list because Mad Max Fury Road should also be on this list and that is the spiritual follow-up to Babe Pig in the City much more than the Mad Max films and I am not joking I'm totally serious I love Fury Road because it was everything I loved about Babe Pig in the City and yes it's the same writer and director he only wrote Babe because um the director found the book and the book is actually not that good but It's beautiful. There's so much human drama and just like, are you going to take control of your life? And Pig in the City is just so weird. And that pairs nicely with Nanny McPhee. And I'm, I'm telling you, these are not all just kids movies, but, um, I, I'm not sure if Nanny McPhee holds up though from when I put that on. But so definitely I got Lady in the Water, Babe, Babe, Pig in the City. And then you put in, 1941's Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I suggest reading that book first. It's short. It's like 80-something pages. But it, it it will blow you away. Problem with Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde is it is a twist ending. Which, by the way, Lady in the Water is not a twist ending. Anyway, the book Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde is a twist ending. Really, most of you, if you don't know what the twist is then good for you shut this off read that book now but um the 1941 version really they knew you they knew it wasn't a twist ending and they just admitted that right up front and yeah it that version is really good it gets into the whole thing that i think robert louis stevenson was getting at like it's separating the sin nature out can you do that can you somehow get rid of your sin nature 
separate from the church and separate from Christ. And it's an experiment gone wrong about how you can do that. And it's also an example of orthodox monsters, which is a term that I've slightly stolen from um, Daniel Peterson Autobot there from Blaster the Rocket Man. Have you listened to them? They're awesome. Anyway... Um, he talked about that. And I know I read about that. I'm pretty sure I got that wording from him. I'm not sure that what I mean by it is what he was saying. So, um, all like Humpty Dumpty and Alice through the looking glass. I'm just changing what it means. But the idea of a monster that comes about because we either reject the way of God or the way of nature and the way things are supposed to be, it, they're generally morality tales like, Things should be this way, and if you go against that, it's like creating a monster, and that's what Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde is, and it's very much like the sin nature in a, another version of the same thing. Um, 1945's The Picture of Dorian Gray. That is such an awesome film, and that was on the brink of color. They didn't have... Um, the money to do the whole thing in color, but they, anytime they show the picture, it's in color. And it's shocking. It's such a great, great effect. But, um, you should definitely read that book first as well. But it's another look at just the nature of sin. And are you going to accept or reject a way out of that? Or are you going to indulge those two movies being similar, um, time periods and similar themes? I really, those are awesome. Um, then, jumping forward, The Exorcism of Emily Rose, Scott Derrickson's best film. I've enjoyed his other films. Um, I, I even kind of like, um, I know people much malign it, including I've heard him do it, but I enjoyed the, his, um, remake of The Day the Earth Stood Still. I, the, the original is better, but dude, if you buy the DVD, it comes with both. Anyway, Exorcism of Emily Rose is amazing. It is a courtroom drama. And in it, the, a girl is dead because she, something happened to her. She was on meds. The priest suggested she get off the meds in lieu of, instead and have an exorcism and he's in court now for murder for being an accessory to her death and then he like Derrickson just stacks the deck in this his lawyer is this woman who's good at getting people off like she got this other killer um off scot-free and that becomes a plot thread later on but then um she is going to represent the priest and then the defense the peop the pers prosecution sorry he is a baptist sunday school teacher and he's awesome and that's the other thing like there is no like there's the devil in this movie but um like the lawyers there's not an evil lawyer you you're rooting actually for both of them and it's this whole thing going back and forth as to was this just psychosis or was this the devil? And in the throughout the courtroom, they'll essentially present like, OK, here's the testimony. It happened this way because it was possession and you'll see it that way. And it is freaky. But then you'll get the rebuttal with 
well, what we know from science and what we know about medication, this is what would have happened if she was having an epileptic seizure. And you can see how you could get that confused. And I kind of want to give away the ending, but I don't. But it, it, this movie makes me cry. And here's the other thing. It didn't, like, it was exciting, thrilling, did not, like, stoop to, like, crappy jump scares. But there are no horror special effects. They're more hardcore than Batman Begins. And still, this is, that, this is scary. And it's well done, but it's not the kind that's gonna like ruin your life and keep you up at night other than just trying to think about what was going on and all the neat stuff it brings up. Okay, my next movie is Luther. That just goes thematically and doesn't go with the theme of this podcast. So I'm moving on. Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. That's where this one goes thematically there with Luther. Actually, that's how I started this list was with Lord of the Rings and three movies to pair with it. So you like, you watch one movie, then Lord of the Rings, then another movie, then Lord of the Rings. Anyway, I don't, you've seen this movie and you need to see it again anyway. So let me just move on. The Village. The Village is M. Night Shyamalan again. And this is a movie where he essentially sets up an experiment. And here's the hypothesis. Sin does not come from within. It comes from society and without. We are not, like, are we born with a sin nature? No, society inflicts that on us. So if we cut ourselves off from the influence of sin, will we still develop a sin nature? Plus there's monsters. Excellent. And then seven, Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman as cops going up against this guy who there's two random murders and then they realize that they go together because they are two of the seven deadly sins and morgan freeman is like i think he's going to keep killing because there are seven deadly sins and it's exploring once again the idea of sin this this one's pretty graphic um when i watched it with my wife um i i thought it was like pretty much if you took all the horrific stuff you see in CSI and put it in a movie, like it was that level, and she said, don't ever tell anyone that, because that will give them the wrong idea. This was really gross. <laughs> so there you go. So then, let the right one in. This is not the American remake. This is the Swedish one. And I know, like, um, get the one that's been dubbed, not the subtitle one, because it's a movie. I highly suggest reading books. I don't really recommend reading movies, because then you're not looking at the movie. Anyway, there's a dubbed one, and this director did it in such a way to have it dubbed. It's very rare that, like, the dubbing just works really easy. It's It's a good movie. But in this movie, what we have is, it, it, this is kind of like the answer to Twilight section. <laughs> um, it's a little boy who meets the neighbor, and the neighbor is, turns out to be a vampire, and has a familiar that works with him and stuff. And I actually did a, um, episode of my podcast where we talked to a, um, death investigator, and the scene where the guy's hung upside down draining the blood that definitely would have been a lot messier anyway um it's a fascinating film and just the idea of friendship and love and what all that means and what are you willing to give yourself to and stuff like that and that i don't know if this will make sense but they warp the story arc and the um pretty much you see one character um there their resolution and final confrontation and then the movie ends and like this is one of the things this movie ended 
And for like half an hour, I had no idea what to think or what I just saw. I, I enjoyed it. It was awesome, but I'm like, what was that? And then half an hour later, it just clicked that the ending was actually part of the beginning. It was this amazing film that gets us to the addiction and just, um, slight, um, spoiler on my podcast. I just interviewed Abel Ferrara who, directed this I, i'm just giddy about this i am probably bragging but i my mind is just racing okay this movie is about philosophy students who one of them gets bit by a vampire and so each each vampire and i can say this because i just said this table and he was like yeah pretty much um each vampire represents a different philosophy and you're figuring out how, how do you live your life? Hedonism, Buddha, Christopher Walken's in it for a scene. He's awesome. He's in most of Abel's films, but anyway, um, he's like, he's looking into Buddhism and, um, see, th- this is the sad thing. Like since it's on the strangers and aliens podcast and I'm happy about the conclusion of a, a movie where they go through a bunch of different philosophies. You can probably guess which philosophy they end up on, but it's amazing. Which then brings us to, once again, M. Night Shyamalan's Signs. This movie is beautiful. When it came out, a lot of people, there was a lot of backlash to it. And um, totally, I I get that. And um, no, I don't get it. Never mind. It was mainly because the ads promised one thing and most of the people I knew who were like, yeah, I didn't like it. I saw the ad. I thought it was going to be this. Let, let me just tell you, this could be a stage play. And I've, I've actually thought this would be a cool stage play, except is there any reason to do it as a stage play? Does it bring anything different to it by putting it in that medium? But it's very Alfred Hitchcock and in one um, room and stuff and aliens are coming. But it's really about this pastor who has lost his faith, and now he's being presented with this life-changing, like, experience, and where does this put him and his faith, and the faith of his family, and stuff like that? It is amazing. And actually, because the next one is Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, and when I did my, I had friends over once and we did the extended version. This is before I had kids and we watched all the extended versions of Lord of the Rings. We'd take breaks between discs. And before we started the two towers, I showed everybody the couch scene from signs because that scene is an explanation of the themes in um, the two towers. The same way the moving Luther is an explanation of the fellowship of the rings. So then I have Godspell, which like would movies about Jesus fall into this kind of like they Tolkien tells me they're fairy tales. So I'm going with it, which some people think God's spell is irreverent. I don't, I, I really like the hippie version of Jesus and I think like it stays true to it. And when I first saw it, I was very literal and I was like, Hey, was there no resurrection? But really what it is, is like New York's busy and it clears out for this Jesus and just this going through the parables and learning about Jesus. But then it's like they're carrying him off singing, prepare ye the the way. Um, So it's the song like he's coming is the song they're singing while they're bringing him away. So they're foreshadowing 
that there's going to be a resurrection, but then they go around the corner and everybody just goes on with their lives. Like, are you going to go on with your life or are you going to prepare you the way? How awesome. And then the miracle maker and the miracle maker, not the one about the, um, oh, the deaf and blind girl. This one is, um, from Christmas films and they're, I think, Russian and English. Like there's a, team in russia and a team in england and they do animation they did um shakespeare in animation the bible in animation and this movie is awesome it is stop frame animation like dolls with the metal skeletons and the clay stuff um and when things get spiritual it or like he, if he tells a parable or things get spiritual it becomes traditional celluloid animation it's a neat effect the parables look great and it's also super cool like mary magdalene like the casting out of mary is really freaky in this movie and it's awesome and it's done with like the getting rid of the celluloid animation bring it back down and to the um, stop frame that they're doing and a lot of it's very realistic it's cool and then ben-hur which is not well i guess it's got jesus in it but you know it's ben-hur chronicles of narnia the lion the witch and the wardrobe i love that book more than the movie um it's a great uh, that's the only one of the narnia movies that i think make the list of films you have to see and it was not as good as Lord of the Rings, though the book is right up there. Anyway, then The Passion of the Christ. The Passion of the Christ, not only because of my justification of Tolkien, but Mel Gibson takes it in that direction. Think whatever you want of Mel Gibson. I wasn't impressed with him when I went to see the movie. But, um, and I'm sure he's a nice guy. He's had problems, whatever. I hope he's doing okay. Nothing against Mel Gibson. But the movie itself is awesome. And just the whole idea of like taking that story of him getting to the crucifixion. Essentially that movie is about a man fighting to give his life for us while the devil tries to stop him. And that's the fight. And it like brings it in a different direction, but it's more superhero than any superhero film. It is amazing. Of course, Passion of the Christ is the movie that pairs with Lord of the Rings Return of the King. And of course, in each Lord of the Rings, you have a different character who is the type of Christ. In the first one, Frodo takes on the bears the sin for the world. And then the second one, Gandalf has the death and resurrection. The third one, Aragorn, the returning king who goes into the mountain that has the trapped spirits who they had rejected to serve the king but if they agree to serve the king now that sets them free and yeah it's, it's, it's just so awesome anyway i named my children with the at least the firstborn as a lord of the rings name anyway um then i have to end all wars which is awesome goes well with all of that but it has nothing to do with this genre um then 23, I say either watch I Am Legend or Book of Eli. And I go back and forth on, like, those were good movies. I don't know if they fit the you need to watch them. Maybe that's where I should put Mad Max Fury Road. Because that one, it, it does, that weirdly has, that's, yes, Mad Max Fury Road goes right here. Because it weirdly has Christ symbolism, though it's kind of broken up. Like, um, 
his arm and hers and the stabbing in the side and yeah, it's such a good movie and really just as weird as Babe, Pig in the City in the same beautiful artistic way. Anyway, number 24 is District 9. Oh, so good. And they actually, I got this on the same day that I got, um, Picture of Dorian Gray and I thought it was cool because they both had weird ways they worked with the camera because Picture of Dorian Gray had the picture in color. Um, District 9, when stuff explodes, it splatters against the screen, which is kind of gross, but it's so neat. It starts off as a documentary and then winds its way into a normal, um, narrative film, but a lot of beautiful um, Christ symbolism and trusting and what does it mean to love and what does it mean to love those who are other than us. And it's so good. And then On the Waterfront, which um, no sci-fi there. Um, the Incredible Adventures of Wallace and Gromit. Have you seen those? Those are so much fun. <laughs> they, they are just brilliant. And yeah, that's definitely sci-fi. Is it The Incredibles? Number 27. Um. The Incredibles is the first of the modern superhero films, because I realize it's supposed to be a parody, but part of the thing they did was take um the take superheroes and inject them into real life. And it's this beautiful thing about are you going to choose glory or are you going to find the glory in loving your family? It's just great. And I recently saw that the sequel is supposed to just directly go after that and involve the Underminers. I don't know if that's true. I don't... I. I looking forward to it but anyway then um the testament bible and animation it's nine short films it's by the same people who did that um miracle maker the christmas films group and then rope not sci-fi in the bedroom refers to a lobster trap and is not sci-fi mercy street not sci-fi citizen kane is just so awesome not sci-fi phone booth man on fire Okay, and then we get back, Lost Skeleton of Cadavra. Yeah. This one, um, the writer-director um, summed it up, and he said that we tried, we set out to make a parody of a 1950s B sci-fi film, and what we made was a halfway decent 1950s B sci-fi film. It's just, if you watch anything from the 50s, even if you haven't, this might still be funny, but... um. It is really, it's a fun movie. And just to show you the um, realm it lives in, I've got it paired up with the Newsboys down under the big top, which is them owning a circus. It's silly. It's an hour. And then the Lost Skeleton returns again, which has one scene that's kind of not funny. <laughs> the rest of it is so awesome. Weird monsters, reanimated skeletons. Yeah, it's you need to see it. And then Napoleon Dynamite, I put it. Not sci-fi, but the Lost Skeleton might be the sci-fi version. I don't know. Danielson, a family movie. Um, Extreme Days should not be there. It should be blue like jazz. Um, Arsenic and Old Lace. That um, Chillicothe, Lars and the Real Girl, Sense of Sensibility, Maltese Falcon, Vertigo. Um, Vertigo gets into ghosts. So does that count? That's it's an Alfred Hitchcock. You need to watch more Hitchcock. And um, it's one of those movies every I kept. I love to show that movie to other people because it's this whole like, what's going on here? And it was fun because anytime I showed it to somebody, I'd tell them it's an amazing movie because the whole time you don't know what's going on. And they'd 
like turn to me in different parts of the movie and say, I know what's going on. It's this, this, this. And every time they did this, the person on the screen would say, I think it's this, this, this. And then they find out, no, it isn't because of this other thing that there's more to it. It was just so amazing how Hitchcock just knew what you would be thinking. Um, True Grit, Pride and Prejudice, which Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, though not on this list, a really good film. And it's all practical effects. It reminds me of like Hammer Horror. And um I do think the outfits um, could have been a little less sexy, but um, they don't really dwell on it with their camera angles. I don't know. It's a fun film. And um, then Unbreakable by M. Night Shyamalan, which I think might be the most perfectly put together film. This is um, he was asked to do a treatment for Spider-Man and he was looking into it and he presented this is what he wanted to do. And they're like, you pretty much just have the first act of the movie. Your whole movie is just the first act. And they, I guess, asked him to come up with something a bit more conventional, and he didn't want to, so he just invented his own superhero. And there's rumors that he's, like, he's going to come back and do a sequel. But Samuel L. Jackson and um, I'm Bruce Willis, and they're awesome in this film. Then The Wild One is not a sci-fi film. It's a movie about Marlon Brando. He's a biker, and these bike gangs take over a small town. It's a cool film, but I always recommend that you do that with Under Midnight, which um, it's an industrial album from the 90s, and if you can get it like on eBay, you can probably get it probably cost more for shipping than to buy it but get it with the liner notes because it's a concept album the whole thing has this story and the first one is really cool and it's this whole thing about virtual reality the second one is all about like was i genetically modified who am i but the second one's called under midnight void and it samples heavily from the wild one and i actually wrote a paper in film class about how under midnight's void could be what the main character is thinking throughout the wild one. And I actually sent the paper to, um, what, what was his name? The, the guy from Under Midnight, who is D.B. Allen. And he wrote back and said, wow, yeah, that is what we we're going for. Um, I don't know, it made me feel good. And then Casablanca, and then after you've watched all of those, you go back and you watch Lord of the Rings, the extended versions, all the way through and i'm now realizing that the ones i don't know where to put them here um because of tone and stuff but it's somewhere with my return of the king and um all of that i would put man of steel and um batman v superman in there because i love those movies they are so good and um i don't understand all the hate for them like literally i've listened to many review shows that i'm like oh you guys are awesome i love hearing you talk about movies and they describe this movie i'm like wow i would hate that i'm so glad batman v superman like like did they show you a different film i didn't get it but i didn't want to watch man of steel because it was just like i saw watchmen and i don't want to watch that guy do that thing to superman and then i heard they were going to get ben affleck for batman that is so cool. And so I, um, okay, I'll try it. And it is great. They like very reverent, 
reverently do the Jesus symbolism from the first scene is like, there's the baby in the manger. And I mean, right down the line, but it's not like I actually have this theory that in film and literature, there are seven different ways people depict Jesus and Superman is the freedom bringer where um, the person is bringing freedom in some way, bringing, saving people, freeing them. And the Jesus symbolism is put on there to emphasize that this person is bringing a form of freedom by comparing him to the man who brought us ultimate freedom. And that's what actually Superman is in both um, Man of Steel and Batman v Superman. And Batman v Superman is not only that, but the whole movie, the, the opening scene is the whole movie with um, Bruce Wayne in the pit and the bats raising him up to the light. That movie is about a Batman who is living his life, whose life is now off the rails and he doesn't, he's scrambling to believe in something. And essentially, Oh, can I get through this? His life is given back to him through through sacrifice like it is so beautiful and it's not a friend of mine says it's wonderfully ham-fisted I, I think it's a little better than that like it all just flows and like say what you will Zack snyder can show you something beautiful on the screen every moment and i just think it works i can't wait to see the extended version anyway um yeah that goes somewhere around return of the king in my list and yeah so those are my wow I took half an hour. I'm guessing this is too long for your podcast. Let me know. I really enjoy what you guys do. Thank you so much for this opportunity. All right, that's that for this episode. I want to thank everyone who did send us feedback, not only for this episode, but for the episode 200. And um, keep, keep sending it in, please, and keep proving us wrong. Um, that's the <laughs> yes. only way yes, that, please. that's the only way we're going to stay humble is, is if you keep proving us wrong so um, we might not change our minds but we'll at least feel more humble about our confidence that we're right <laughs> that doesn't make any sense but <laughs> anyway I do want to thank everyone for writing in and I do love that we get to have extra voices here and we're trying to get more guest hosts and that kind of thing in as well and so thank you again everyone um we do want to make sure we mention our sponsor evan yes today's episode is sponsored by the woodprint shop which you can find at the woodprintshop.com it's a printing company that takes great pride in helping you to display and preserve your favorite photos and artwork in a new and creative way on rustic wood planks each wood plank is stained with the image that you want and we want to thank them for sponsoring this episode. And yeah. I guess that brings us to our final words. So, uh, Steve, any any final I, words that you have? For... I, I do. And okay. as as this is the 50th anniversary, we're actually recording this on the 50th anniversary of Star Trek, uh, the, the premiere. Um, my words going forward in this 200 and whatever th- episode that we're going forward from that we're going to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. 
We've already gone there a couple times. I know, but we're <laughs> going to just keep going. And Evan. Oh, last word. Okay. I'm just, I've got a comic. I'm flipping it open. I'm going to read the first speech bubble that comes to my eyes. Here it goes The truth. <laughs> I don't know how. I, 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 I don't know. Has to be a full I, sentence, I, I think. I, should I flip and do another one? Should no, probably not. <laughs> Just get a full sentence out of there. I think maybe, uh, you know, look for it ahead of time and pretend it's random, but find a really <laughs> yeah. good one that sounds good out of context. I, I, don't, All right. I don't know. The truth. The truth is in there. Hey. That's right. Oh, hey. That's that's not just a, a quote from Steve. That's That's a series that we're planning to put up on youtube so yeah. it's coming you're welcome <laughs> all right i guess i'm gonna go ahead and, and close this out then and say thank you everyone thank you so much for listening thank you for so much for sticking with us for 202 episodes and uh let's let's have a 202 more which would be 404 which is forbidden <laughs> but uh <laughs> sorry little, little that be internet geek humor there <laughs> Um, and now that I've just jumbled up everything and <laughs> ruined a completely, completely serviceable episode, I'm going to say thanks for listening and Godspeed. You've been listening to the Strangers and Aliens podcast, hosted by Ben Avery, Steve MacDonald, and Dr. Jace O'Neill. Our music was composed and mixed by Tim Leffel. Please join in the conversation by visiting our website, strangersandaliens.com, where you will find show notes, articles, reviews, and more. You can also email us directly at podcast at strangersandaliens.com or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash strangers. Or you can leave us a voicemail on the Strangers and Aliens hotline. Just call 1-804-37-ALIEN and leave your message. And once again, thanks for listening. I know you took out my burst appendix and saved my life and all, but you left a scar.